0: Hey guys, it's Nathan, this is episode number 98 of The Nathan Seawood Show. The Nathan Seawood Show, inspiring you to live an extraordinary life. Welcome to the show, my friends, and I hope you're having a great start to the week, recording on a Tuesday today instead of Monday, because we like to be different, and just want to keep you guessing, want to keep you on your toes, don't want you to think there's a schedule to this thing, you know. Still a little bit of freedom. Still like to keep it random. And also there was some scheduling issues. So welcome. This week I'm in Montreal and hanging out with my family, which I'm so excited about. It's always nice when you've been traveling for a while to spend time with family. And if you haven't been to like the northeastern part of the Americas in autumn or fall, as we say in this part of the world, then I highly recommend it. Like The view out the window here is all the trees changing colors. And you might have seen pictures of like, Maine or, uh, Quebec or anything like that in, in the fall. And it's this beautiful mixture of like yellow and red and green colors. It's really, really pretty. So it's nice to be here and have the changing of the seasons here. A story I forgot to tell you guys about. So I got my Lacoste shirt on here because I love Lacoste and a lot of people give me shit about only wearing Lacoste shirts, but this is like my uniform. I love Lacoste. I love Lacoste t-shirts. And that's sort of like my, the uniform I wear every day. And a few weeks ago, I don't know if you remember, but I popped on a Weezara shirt because I thought I'd better mix it up. People are making fun of my Lacoste obsession. And I wore like a red and white striped shirt and got on the podcast with Adam Quiney. And it was all psychedelic. The, the T-shirt went all psychedelic and made this like weird pattern. It was very distracting. And so I made a bit of a funny joke about it saying that, see, I veer away from Lacoste, try and do something different, and it ruins everything. And that was very funny. Thank you. And somebody tagged the Lacoste head of marketing <laughs> in that post. And he reached out to me and said, hey, thank you. Fuck the haters. Stick with Lacoste. And uh, he sent me five Lacoste shirts to say thank you for being a Lacoste fan. So how cool is that? So this isn't one of them, actually. I've gone for grey on grey today, which is a real fashion win. <laughs> uh, but this one is one of the new ones. And uh, I thought that was really cool you know? You, so you embrace what you love and then people give you free shit. That's the lesson there. So I was very happy with that. But that's not why you called. Let's get on with the show. Super excited to have Leanne Brooke Tyler with me today. And let me tell you a little bit about Leanne because she is a podcast host. I was lucky to be on her podcast the other day. She's a embodied leadership coach. We're going to talk about what that is. And she's the co-founder of the movement Primal Happiness. And she just happens to be as English as they come, as English as Mary Poppins. Is that what you would say? I
1: think I think so, yes. <laughs>
0: Good. <laughs> uh, welcome to the show. So lovely to Thank have you here. Thank you. Yeah. Thank
1: you. As I was saying, um, I've not spoken to anyone today. So it's yeah, you said you might be a little bit chatty. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, and Leanne's promised at the end she's going to play each and every one of those instruments. Oh, cute. before the man. end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell there's an acoustic guitar. I can tell the middle is a violin, right?
1: Yes, the and one, it's actually the blocked. the third one here? It's blocked by my chair. It's a mandolin.
0: Oh, mandolin.
1: Yeah. right. All my fathers, and I cannot play them. My father could, <laughs> but not from the grave, so they will not be played, I'm afraid.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, they're a lovely aesthetic. Thank uh, you. How are you?
1: Really good. Yeah, really good. Good.
0: Well, It was lovely being on your show the other day. We had uh, a good chat about the difference between the mind and the ego, the heart intuition and how to tell the difference i don't think that episode's out yet but you know people can pop no, over and listen out to your show
1: mm, out awesome so, yes yeah.
0: super cool yeah. uh so tell us a little bit about your journey i know you worked in the corporate world uh for a long time how did you get into coaching and how did you in particular get into this embodied type of coaching
1: Hmm. okay how how long a version should I do? This is one of those stories that it's like you to take a whole show doing, which I don't really want to do. So give yeah,
0: us a two minute version and okay. tell it in a way that you've never told it before. Oh
1: my goodness! Oh, I like that challenge. And okay.
0: play the guitar at <laughs> <laughs> the same time
1: <laughs> <laughs> and do it really in song. <laughs> 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 So I yes, I worked in the corporate world as. It's hard to really say what it was. It was basically in the online marketing world and I was a leader, had kind of come up the ranks doing a lot of sort of hands. I'm a, I'm a geek at heart. So anything to do with website, design, all of that stuff, I did love. I sort of feel, I was talking, listening to Elizabeth Gilbert talk earlier on a podcast and she was talking about the difference between, this is her definition, uh, between a career, a job, a vocation and... Screw a job, a vocation and a something. It's escaped me at the moment. Like a
0: hobby or something? Or hobby, what?
1: yes, of course, hobby. Yeah. I was thinking of it all in terms of like more worky things. And I think that for me was probably a career, which I did, I took seriously, really enjoyed doing. And it's quite interesting seeing it now through that lens, but it wasn't a vocation. Mm. I can see that now. But I was honestly... Probably as happy and fulfilled as it's possible for the average human being that hasn't kind of entered onto this path of whatever word you want to give it. But you know, like just discovering more about who they are and what they're here to be in the world. So I wasn't particularly seeking aside from this, um, what you mentioned earlier, this chronic pain that I'd, and that's a whole story in itself. I'd, I'd suffered from chronic facial pain for 15 years. And I tried all sorts to solve that. Nothing had happened, worked with that at all. So I'd kind of given up seeking an answer to that. I had this kind of low level anxiety, which probably was the connected to the chronic facial pain. Again, I just accepted that. So I was really just plodding along in life really at this point. And my dad suddenly died and we were uber close. He'd brought me up. He was a single parent, So we were very, very close and. He he was killed in a road traffic accident. And it was one of those, I think, moments. And I think these can happen in all sorts of ways. Some people, it's a near-death experience. Sometimes it could be a relationship breakdown. It can be all sorts of things. And it just happened that that was my type where there's this kind of like almost a fork in the road. And... Just carrying on with life as it had been just didn 't really feel like an option, like I guess it was an option. it just didn 't seem like the option to take and,
0: and why was that? Was it just like the pain of that event, or did it did it wake you up to you know the shortness of life, or what was it
1: I think i'm only really even like that was now seven years on, yeah seven years mm. seven years ago, and i 'm only really now even getting. I mean, maybe in another seven years, I'll say I'm only now getting language to describe it, but I feel like it's I'm sort of like a bit cl- more complete on it now. But I think it wasn't so much the shortness of life. It was actually the kind of infinite nature of life, ironically, where I was plunged into this almost tangible experience of my father post-death, where I suddenly realized it's not gone. It's not over. If anything... <laughs> that connection I have to him feels more real than a lot of what's going on here in this this realm. And it was a time where there was so, it was a very complex death in the, there were all sorts of other things going on to do with the police. There was a criminal investigation into the person that had killed him. There were mistakes made by the ambulance. There was an inquiry going on with that. So there's a lot going on in like the real world. Yeah. Um, not least the effect on my family and friends. But it wasn't like I was in a, a sort of dissociation from that. Like I was aware of that was going on and I was like meeting it full on. But I was also kept being plunged back into this awareness of like, wow, there's something so much more than this. And I can't just carry on as if that isn't the case now. that's changed so fundamentally i can't just carry on as if that what i'm experiencing this bigger version of life as if that doesn't exist so
0: well that's so interesting i've never really heard that kind of shift before from something like that i'm sure it's happened but you know for me the death of a parent kind of like i say it would it would jar you it's obviously incredibly sad it's obviously a transition kind of you get kind of thrust into adulthood in, in a weird way like where you don't have that that person that you can always go to, to look after you. But then to also have it be kind of a spiritual awakening mm. is very, very interesting.
1: It was the opposite of what I would have expected. I remember having a conversation many years before that I was talking to my boyfriend at the time and he'd lost his dad quite young. And I remember we were talking about his, his feeling now about not having grown up. I think he lost him as a I think, a teenager, so very young. So he spent most of his life without him. We'd been talking about it. And I remember standing, looking out the window, thinking, I don't know if I could cope. Like, when my dad dies, I actually don't think I'll be able to cope. I mm. think I'll, like, it will rupture me so much, I don't know if I'll be able to cope. And in a funny way, it did rupture me. But in a, it, like, I couldn't cope in the way I had carried on with life before. Um, but it was a completely different rupture to the one that I would have anticipated.
0: Yeah, amazing. And so that, where did that take you in terms of, say, the chronic pain or the corporate job or or where did you look for the shift?
1: So it was because I was kind of simultaneously dealing with this like real life stuff, so just as an example, we couldn't have the funeral for five weeks because he had to have two postmortems. I was dealing with his estate. So there was kind of like all that real life stuff going on. I also had two very young children. We also madly decided to move house, all in that like that was all going on in that year. Right. And so it wasn't like I really had the headspace to do this kind of wholesale big life change. It was very internal. But what I firstly started doing was just started to blog. And I was just writing about really, it's funny, actually. I've not, uh, my uh, husband printed it out for me as made a book out <laughs> of it for one, that Christmas. It's somewhere oh. I for, and I must look back at it. Cause I think if I read it now, it was so simple. It was just real, like things I was noticing that I was grateful for in like very just simple human interactions. Mm. That's really all I was talking about. And then it was almost a year to the day after it died. So life had started to calm back down again. And I remember thinking, there is something in what's happened to me that could be useful to other people. Like, I don't really know what's happened. I can't really put words to it. But something's obviously happened that's allowed me to come through this, by any measure, pretty stressful, grief-ridden experience, and actually come out of it feeling happier and more whole. So I realize like oh there is there's probably ways of doing this you know that could there could be a methodology there could be Mm. coaching it could be whatever so I was literally just looking around thinking what how what is the medium I can share what I've seen with other people that might then help them go through difficult times or yeah just have a better experience in life and it was again it was quite when I look back I think real sort of serendipity or synchronicity the way that was literally almost a year to the day that he died. I, this is the bit that's like, I wish, I always wish I could make this sound much more spiritual than actually. <laughs> <laughs> I was Googling and um I came across a website that was uh for the three principles. And there was a description that just said something really basic, like, thought creates your reality. It was something along those lines. And uh I read that one line And it was just like fireworks going off in my mind. And I think like initially I thought, oh my goodness, there's this magic line. If you just say this line, like everything changes because it wasn't. I think I was just so open and ready for that moment. And that changes everything. If none of this is like, as I'm seeing it, if this is all just what's being created in my mind, anything's up for grabs, anything's possible. And It was so funny because after all those years of struggling with the chronic pain and trying all these different things, it was a week after that had happened, I was driving to drop the children off to nursery or school or whatever. And I realized the, it was literally one of those moments where you're thinking, what have I forgotten? Like tapping around my car, like, oh, your bag, packed lunchbox, whatever. And then realize, oh, it's the pain. The pain's gone. And it just disappeared. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so that to me, that was a real, that wasn't even like a fork in the road moment. That was a real, there's no going back. Mm. Something massive has changed. There's some link between what I saw after my dad died, what I've now seen about thought creating a reality. And at the time, I, I don't necessarily see it this way now, but at the time, the three principles was the best kind of explanation for that. The I don't know how familiar you are with that, but it talks about mind, which you could say is the sort of intelligence behind everything, the energy behind life, and then thought, and there's also consciousness. At the time, I was like, that's a really good way of pointing people towards seeing these things themselves. Mm. And I went, I signed up for a year-long training course. I went along to a kind of five-day retreat within a month of having that kind of big, whatever you call it, opening. And that was, I think, in the, that was the September. And by the following March, I'd left my job and was coaching as my sole thing.
0: Wow.
1: (laughs) So it's a bit longer than two minutes, but there's quite a lot to pack in there. No,
0: it's amazing. Yeah, this, this interesting, this whole concept of sort of a cosmic shift or, you know, a moment of transition or something that happens and you can't see life the same or life will never be the same. I mm. think I can resonate that with that a lot. Even just actually I've had sort of that, that in the last few months and I've been listening to a lot of Eckhart Tolle's stuff and that kind of gave me that same thing. Like when you had that, that realization that thought creates your world, I had the same thing when he was talking about You know, his whole concept is about the present moment. Very Mm -hmm. simple that we, we only have the present moment. The future and the past are all just creations of the mind that are not real. They're just, you know, ways that you can end up going around in circles in your mind. And the, the goal, the inner purpose really is just to be more and more in the present moment. How can we come more and more into this moment? How can we enrich in this moment? And I think it reminded me of when you were saying that you read back on those old blogs and you just see this gratitude to me, that that's, resonates with being really present in this moment, right, of of mm. just noticing the things you don't normally notice, being grateful for the things that you normally, you know, we're just so busy with life, especially in that first part of our life where it's, we're trying to find ourselves and establish ourselves and make money and get a career and, you know, get the, the fundamentals under control. And then there's a shift where whatever reason or however it happens, it brings us starkly into the present moment and we sort of wake up and look around and, and see things for the first time and notice things that we hadn't sort of noticed. And you know, I guess in that moment, there's a choice to how you deal with that. You know, for us, we kind of went, oh, we want to teach other people about this now. Mm-hmm. Now that we've had this insight, we want to teach other people. Is that what it was for you?
1: Yeah, it was. It's funny because I I come from a longish line of teachers. And yeah, I've always had this and I do teach, you know, whilst I'm a coach, I also run circles, lead circles and, you know, teach training courses. So there is a kind of, there is a real element of teaching, but I, I always have this like slight trigger reaction to that word. Like I shy away from really, this has been a, a love hate thing I've had for many years about <laughs> actually saying, yeah, I teach, I'm a teacher. So and
0: there's a difference just for people that don't know the difference between coaching and teaching and oftentimes we try and make it really clear the difference, right?
1: Mm. Yes. And I think it is important because I think there is a very, I think a tendency in our culture where we tend to prefer to tell and to teach. It might not be under the like word teach, but I think we have this kind of, oh, I know the answer. I'm going to tell you the answer. We have that kind of like knee-jerk reaction. Sort of advice-y type thing. Mm. And one of the things I most love about leading circles is part of the etiquette of that is to all agree not to do that and to do whatever you need to do to not jump in and give the other woman advice sit on your hands button your lip whatever you need to do and ask you know ask permission to give a reflection and I love that I think there's something so for all of the women involved both in terms of the woman who's being asked like may I give you a reflection here for the person that wants to come in and jump in and give an advice and isn't I think there's something so, like, activating and nourishing for, like, mm. recognize, like, there's no need to do that. Most people don't need your advice. They don't need fixing. They just need <laughs> to be witnessed, you know, just need to be loved. Totally, and advice yeah. is,
0: is so much, like, maybe my life is going to have some relevance to yours, maybe, but the reality is the advice I'm giving is almost certainly for me or, well, like, yes. about me.
1: <laughs> mm, exactly. <laughs> probably going to not
0: have that many that much relevance to you. I also think it's lovely, you know, especially in those type of circles that people feel like they can come as they are. Yes. Um, and I, like, I think, like you said, be witness, like, it's okay. You can come here and you can just be you. There's no way you have to be. You're not coming here to get fixed. You're not, you know, and so coming from that place is often very new for people because whether we know it or not or realize it or not, we are we are constantly in fear of judgment of, or or doing the right thing in front of our parents or looking good to our family or our friends or our co-workers, you know, so to just have a place where you can go and just say, hey, you know, whatever you are, good, bad, ugly, it's okay here. No one's going to try and fix you.
1: Totally. And sadly, because of the way that we've, I was listening to Bill Plotkin, actually, I don't know if you're familiar with him. In fact, I was listening and reading to him and I think I read this bit did I? No, I listened listen to this, I was listening to him on a podcast episode and I'd been reading him earlier. Um, so he's an amazing man. His uh, work is, he, he wrote a, a book called Soulcraft and another one that's something like Nature of the Human Soul and um, just incredible. Mm-hmm. And he was describing the stages of development we go through from childhood to adulthood in this modern culture and how, because we're so inclined to... Train a child like obedience training, basically like train a child to be obedient. And they go through these different stages in relationship to that where we learn, Oh, this is how I need to be in the world to get what I need and to be approved, approved of. And then we kind of keep going through this. We lose our sense of wonder. We lose our sense of just being naturally present. And so it often strikes me for most of, if again, going back to that idea of women sitting together in a circle, it could be men sitting together in a circle. For most of us, that actually could be the first time in our life. It's actually okay just to be as we are. Like it's that rare and that powerful because if we've been raised in a culture that wasn't this mad culture we're in, we would have been allowed to do that. We would have been allowed to be as we are, being seen and witnessed and held as we are. But it's, that's not the case here. We're told all the time, no, don't do that. Be like this. Stop doing that. Be more like this. So to be held in that way and seen in that way is like, Deeply, deeply nourishing. It mm. Really is. I
0: can't remember how we got onto it.
1: Oh, sorry. I went. I segued massively when you said the word. Sorry, I am afraid the dogs bark. Now I segued massively when you said the word teacher. So.
0: Oh yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah. So I think at the time it's ironic actually because I would say most most coaches that come from that kind of three principles lineage are probably akin to teachers, even if they call themselves right. coaches or facilitators, it's quite a teaching style. So it's ironic, really. I, I was good at that, even though I have this kind of like aversion to calling myself a teacher, but I actually, I find coaching much more natural. That was actually quite similar to how my dad raised me, where it was very like Socratic style where mm-hmm. the, uh, I don't know if you've read the book, um, brain is just completely <laughs> gone you'll come back to me in a minute. It's about the gorilla who talks to a man. What the hell is it called? Oh my God. You'll come back in a minute. Anyway, he talks about a way of teaching in that, which is like more of like a midwifing, like midwifing through someone else's wisdom, someone else's knowledge, which was very similar to how my dad raised me. And I think it's also akin to coaching. And so that feels really good to my system where it's not really about you as the coach. It's about you like midwifing out whatever needs to come out of that other person. So that's probably taken me time to get towards. But that, I think even back then when you said, you know, did you have that sense of wanting to teach other people? I think I did have an underlying sense that I wanted to help birth what was in them. I I had this like strong sense of something Mm. like gold and something precious within each of us, which has been like a, I know that so clearly now that there's not many things I'll say I know. That's one thing I'll say, I know. We've all got that in us. And for me, more and more, it's been about how do I help someone find that gift that they are and give that mm. to the world? Oh, man,
0: I love that. It's interesting. This is kind of a side conversation, but about how we describe ourselves, you know, or, or like figuring out who are we and what what do we do, especially in in, in this personal development world is quite hard. I think for me that mm. the word mentor like is resonating a little bit more than coach in terms of like a, I would say like a spiritual mentor, something like that, where... Because coaching for me, or, or in its purest form, is sort of based on an A to B type philosophy. Like, where are you trying to get? Where are you now? Where are you trying to get? What's preventing mm-hmm. you? And how do we get there? And I love that. And I think there's a part, I mean, it's clearly amazing, right? Like, that's what we're trained in. But a lot of the spiritual teaching and a lot of the deeper stuff and just the consciousness and the awareness of that is not so much trying to get anywhere. It's not so much trying to achieve a goal as it is just bringing awareness to something or Awakening to something or helping someone. Yeah, I guess, I guess it is like awaken to something new, a new awareness. And so I love the process of just teaching a little bit and then mentoring someone through that discovery. And then I think on the other side of that, there's what do you want to do with it? What do you want to Mm. achieve? Where do you want to take this? Um, so it's this kind of, for me, it's this mixture of mentoring and coaching and probably a little bit of
1: teaching. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? It's probably all of the things and it's, It's probably only important to us. Yeah, it probably is. I just I think there is a a wealth or there there's a value in noticing your kind of what you typically slip slip into, whether that be more coaching, whether it be more teaching, and whether you kind of shy away from aspects because of your own stuff versus like just what's gonna serve the client. So Mm. I think it is it is really useful, I think, as coaches to have conversations like this, but also accept probably in order to like really meet our clients where they're at and really serve them, we probably are going to need to moment to moment embody, you know, go from one to another. That's that's probably what will serve them most.
0: Yeah, and that's probably the the mastery is probably Mm -hmm. understanding how to slide between those things. Hmm. That's probably the the more experience you get and the more mastery of knowing, the wisdom to know what somebody needs in that moment. Yeah. Because I know for me personally, when I'm being coached, sometimes I need mentoring. And sometimes it's like, okay, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I, yeah. ne- I actually need some some guidance. My coach gives me, like, she allows me to ask one question a month. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she always makes me laugh. But is this the one question? Be careful what you choose. Is this the oh, one thing I you want to get that. advice on?
1: Yeah. yeah. Like, will you ask playful. a direct question of what should I do? Or would it be more like, like what do you do in this situation? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Like, give me your advice. So let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, something that's kind of present for you at the moment, we sort of talked about before we came on uh, live, was just this idea of the soul and just some of the stuff we're kind of touching on, a little bit deeper stuff, and not trying to overthink it. You and I are both quite analytical people. And so, uh, and I think this is true for a lot of people, when we look at sort of spiritual things or things that are a little bit more ethereal or less tangible, there's a tendency to go, well, you can't prove it, or how do I know it's true? And so you kind of end up shelving it or trying to figure it out instead of just embracing it, which I heard someone say, like, I don't know how electricity works, but it doesn't mean I'm not going to use lights in the house. Mm. Right? I just I use it even though I, I don't understand how it works.
1: Yeah. Great metaphor. Mm.
0: So what's that realization been for you? How have you been working through that?
1: Yeah. What, what a like, juicy, juicy topic. And as I said, this is fairly fresh. Like I, I probably don't know much of what's about to come in my, ma- out of my mouth. Um, yes. So as you say, I spent a lifetime wrangling and wrestling. Like, is there enough evidence for this? Is this sev- scientifically proven and looking for like, tr- like truth with a capital T? And I think earlier this year I had a bit of a shift where I'm done with that. I feel like I'm in a way I've gone from like one truth to another truth, Realize the other truth is kind of, yeah, I'm not so keen on that truth now. Like it's all about this truth now. And at some point this year, I realized, you know, maybe there isn't a truth out there to be found, and I had a really gorgeous conversation with a wonderful coach called James Tripp on uh, my podcast. We were talking about just sort of choosing a reality tunnel, like recognizing there's all these like models, you know, models of life, ways of seeing mm. life. And why not just choose the one that empowers us? And that doesn't have to be like a permanent choice. It can be like, oh, right now, this is the reality tunnel that's serving me. And so oh, could
0: I give an example like for me? That mm, would yeah. be that would be um everything happens for my highest good. Mm-hmm. Like everything that happens to me happens to like take me to my higher purpose, to help take me to, you know, my destiny. I don't yes. see things as like good or bad or right or wrong. But yes. that's not necessarily true, but it's very empowering.
1: Yeah, I love yeah. that. And I think there's what we were talking about, there's a way of living into that kind of belief where you don't even think it's a belief, like you do think it's true. And again, coming from the background I've come from, particularly Three Principles, but it's also true in other kind of spiritual philosophies I've kind of, you know, weaved in and out of over the years where it isn't a belief. It's said as if, like, no, this is the truth.
0: Well, I believe it's true, honestly.
1: But yeah, if someone but, did
0: will prove it, I'd go, well, I can.
1: Ah, uh, gotcha. Scientific. So it might be that you're living that one from a place of, like, I actually do believe it's true, but I, I think there is also – another option, it's not to say that they can't coexist, where we're, it's kind of like living, living into the, like empowering the belief, like choosing it, like wearing it, putting it on for size and living into that belief without a need to kind of like believe it's true. And so I've been kind of playing around with that over this year. And then I, I'm going to just do a quick kind of like, this is the framework I'm kind of, talking about at the moment just so like it because there's some differentiations that are really easy to see as if i'm talking about the same thing and I'm actually talking about two different things so'll quickly none of this is like right it's just how yeah. i'm holding it at the moment um and a lot of this just as i would just want, like to give people a heads up for like their stuff a lot of this is taken from bill plotkin's work again I think he's really done a wonderful job of articulating these kind of locations I'm about to describe so he's he says this and this is how very much how i'm holding it there's a what you could call spirit or oneness, allness, that kind of like the energy behind life. So what we're typically talking about when we have that sense of connecting into something much bigger than us, that place, which was very much what I see I had the experience of after my dad died. So that often in Eastern tradition particularly is talk, talked about in terms of like waking up. Um, it's an ascension. Then there's the ego, that kind of like path of us like as a human being trying to survive, trying to improve ourselves, trying to just get better at kind of being in this like body going around the world. And he talks about the work there is, he doesn't use this word actually, this is borrowed from a friend of mine, Jürgen, he calls this growing up. So it's that kind of like developing the ego, not as in like it becoming bigger, but becoming like more, I guess more. Yeah, healthy ego. Yes, a mature ego, more like emotionally aware, more, more responsible about our communication. All of those things that I guess often do fall under the bracket of coaching and some forms of therapy. And then there's the, this other place, which we don't always talk about, which is the soul. And, and Bill Plotkin isn't the only person that talks about this. Also, psychotherapists in the Jungian tradition would talk, talk about this as a descent, wh- where we go downwards into the soul. And that's not something that I really up until a couple of years ago thought very much about. If you'd said to me, is there such things human soul?" Oh, I don't know. I don't know. There's no, no evidence for that. I kind of <laughs> saw there was this ego level and then there was this spirit level, spirit level. <laughs> and, uh, It's over the course of the last couple of years, I keep getting glimpses like perhaps there is something more to this whole soul thing. And my previous coach before the one I work at the moment was actually trained as a Jungian psychotherapist. So a lot of her work was from that tradition. And so more and more, I started to get this sense of like, oh, maybe this thing that I talk about, this gold that each of us are, this gift that we are, if that's the soul, that would make sense. Okay. And uh, But I was still, because of the way that I am in life, very much like, so where's the evidence? How can we prove this? How would this make sense? And this has been like this kind of wrestle that I've been in over the last, again, couple of years, really. And then I had a moment very like, it was either last week or the week before, where I just realized I could spend the rest of my life looking for that evidence, and waiting for that evidence, or... I can say to myself, if I just lived as if this is true, as if we all have a soul, as if that is the place that's that kind of, you know, that unique gift that we are, that we've come into this realm here to be and to give away to others. If I were to live as if that is true, without needing to know if it is or isn't, and I get to the end of my life, which of those two ways of living is most likely to create this kind of like rich, fulfilling, meaningful, juicy, alive version of life. The one where I've just looked for evidence constantly or the one where I've just lived as if there's a soul and that I can live this kind of gorgeous soul-led path. And it was just like, clearly, clearly one where I'm going to look for evidence all the time. That's a joke. Clearly,
0: one where- <laughs> <laughs> clearly a scientific approach.
1: Yeah, that one, That's obviously. the key to
0: joy. <laughs> Primal so- happiness
1: so that that was just when I was like oh and it's it's a very logical way of making a decision it was like oh of these two paths which one seems like it's the better one but then once I've like stepped onto that path very consciously logic goes out the window and that's so that's been a very like oh okay that changes things So I'd love to know what you think of all of, hopefully that was quite a lot to like blah at once, but um, I'd love to know where you are in all of that and what's your sense of like soul and those different locations.
0: Yeah, uh, happy to talk about that. But can we go a little bit deeper into the soul? So I wasn't, I didn't get enough clarity of like what what you feel that is. Like, Sure. so in, in Eckhart Tolle's teachings, he says like we have the mind, which is the ego, consciousness behind that. And then he talks about the pain body as well. So I've been sort of had my mind deep in that for the last few months, hmm. but you kind of talked about sort of the mind and then the body and then the soul.
1: Yes. Mind, body and soul. Um, yeah, kind of. I don't think this fits at all well with many of the, many of the kind of spiritual traditions we typically talk about, because I think most of them are focused on the waking up, the ascension. And so I think this is, which is one way. I mean, there was, I went through a period where I was quite into the work of um Dr. Jeffrey Martin. Oh, Ishmael and I. That was the book I was trying to think of earlier. Ah, uh, yeah. Really great book. Um, see, I told you it suddenly <laughs> calmed to me Perfect. in the middle yeah, of a random about conversation it. about something completely different. <laughs> um, so Dr. Jeffrey Martin, he incredible man, you probably really dig his work if you've not come across him before, but he did a very thorough uh research study into people who are described as enlightened. So people who in all sorts of traditions, could be Buddhist, could be anything. Mm. And there's really thorough research study into what their experience was. So he calls it something like non-symbolic experience, meaning they don't have very much or potentially none of that kind of self-referential chatter, that kind of like, you know, the right. monkey chat in the mind. So a really, really interesting piece of work. And he wrote a book called Finders, which was talking about those people and what he discovered in that that uh, study. And it's been going on for years and years. So he's done all sorts of other, like, deeper work around this. And that very much is talking about what you're, t- you know, whether it be Eckhart's work, whether it be, I don't know, Zen, whether it be, you know, you name it, all of those are focused on that idea of waking up, waking mm. up from that ego self, waking up from that illusion of I. Yeah, bringing,
0: bringing a separation.
1: Um, yeah, which I dig. You know, that again, that's that's where I spent the first, I don't know, four years or so of my work in, you know, the coaching world was very much from a real just focusing there, focusing mm. on the spirit. And so I think this doesn't fit at all with that. This this is again. If you look at the work of people like Jung, but also the people that came up in his his kind of uh, lineage, and then also the like nature based ways of people working, like um, Bill Plotkin, this this is just a whole other area that just doesn't fit with that. And again, that's what I love. He's saying he's not diminishing the the very real benefits that come from that waking up. Mm. He's just saying it's that and this, this descent mm. is the soul too.
0: Mm. Well, that's really beautiful, yeah, because it adds a, yeah, I think because you can kind of come to this this point, they say this in like landmark education, that the big reveal at the end of the Landmark Forum is that life is empty and meaningless, and so you can kind of come to this point as you wake up of going, oh, there is no meaning, right? Everything mm. that I thought was true is just made up in my head effectively everything is meaningless and so it feels like the teaching you're talking about is then going okay so what if I could choose meaning because that's kind of fun Mm. to make life richer or to like you said like what would at the end of my life what would have made life more rich and exciting and beautiful and joyful this sounds like a way to maybe bring a deeper meaning to life
1: Mm. so I think so I think so and again like I've now at the point where I have genuinely like it doesn't depend on lo- this logically making sense to me anymore, but...
0: Yeah, I've just like logicd all over it.
1: Yeah, but I'm cool with that. I am totally cool with this because I also, again, the very reason I came to this point is there's, there's a lot of evidence pointing to the fact that we are all unique. We all do have something that's like very special to us that's there mm-hmm. as a giveaway to the world. And so... It, it that fits fit for me is kind of like, ah, oh, that makes sense that that in itself has meaning. The fact that we are all unique and have something that's unique to us to give to others.
0: Yeah. That seems
1: logical to me. I
0: was listening to Russell Brand. He, he put out a book on addiction last year that was really good. I really enjoyed it. And I think it was just called addiction. Um, something like that. Maybe I got that wrong, but he talked about in there his definition of addiction is, uh, or his definition of recovery or recovery work was recovering who you would have been without the addiction. Mm. And the way he described it, which I thought was so beautiful, And the reason I'm bringing it up is that if you plant a seed in the right conditions, so you give it soil with lots of nutrients and then you water it and then as it grows, you give it the right sunlight and water it and feed it, that seed has a destiny. So under the perfect conditions, that seed will become something. It, it can't become anything else. It will become its destiny under the right conditions. It will flower and become a tree or a beautiful flower or whatever. And so he was sort of saying that as humans, we have a destiny as well. Like as we grow, you know, from a seed to a fetus and into a human, if we're given the right conditions, so if we're nourished, fed, watered, loved, there is a destiny that was contained within that seed of life will come to fruition under the right conditions because everything else, everything physical, our physical destiny was contained in there, mm. right? Like I look this way because all of this was already in that seed when I was born. So it would not be too far of a stretch in that way of looking at it to say that there's also a whole spiritual destiny or a, yeah, a non-physical destiny that's also in there.
1: Mm. Oh, I love that. Um, yeah, I feel like saying all of that and magic, you know, I yeah. that, there's like, um, that does totally make sense. That, that, that feels good to me. And I also sort of think there's a, if we are willing to say there is this sort of destiny and there's this, maybe this thing called a soul, I think for me, there's something quite magical about that. And I think the more we're living a kind of that sort of magical life, the more we start to see how that bit similar to you, like, you know, this is all happening for me. The more we live, like, all of this is, like, tinged with magic. All of Mm. this is not just for happening for me in terms of my growth, but for me because I've come here, here in this body, in this form, with this particular path, experienced these things. And they're all lining up to, like, create those, like, moments of magic and, Mm. just you know, connection and all of that perfectly.
0: Mm.
1: And so I think it's even, it's like beyond anything we can completely get into that, like, oh, yes, it started here, therefore, like an acorn growing into an oak tree. It makes sense that I feel like there's something else, the mystery that Mm. we just can't get our minds around, which I'm happy with, actually. I, I don't want to get my mind around all of that.
0: Yeah, that sounds like it's been part of your growth as well. It's just letting go of that. Mm, just a, embracing yes. a it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I think that's a phase I'm not there yet, clearly, because I want to analyze the shit out of everything you're saying. But like that's, <laughs> that's like the next phase I want to go to is going, okay, we've done the analysis. That was fun. And that leads you somewhere. And I think as teachers, it's nice to have a way to present things differently for different people to understand. But how can we then just live as if
1: and just stop mm. the...
0: the the ongoing analysis
1: yeah and i think again we're all going to have our own way of or own moment or trial initiation Mm. of getting that like it just happened for me it was quite uh compared to my earlier like boom moments this one was quite subtly it was just like kind of realizing oh i've got a decision point like how do i want to live yeah um and for other it seems to be be quite common
0: Yeah, it seems to be quite common this, this, like I've heard Eckhart say sometimes, like if you don't understand the work or if you're trying to come into the work and it's not really making sense, maybe you're not ready for it. And maybe you just haven't had enough struggle in your life. Maybe you haven't had enough challenges. Maybe you haven't had enough things that have really jarred you and forced you to look at life differently. So don't worry about it. Don't try. Go back to living your life. Go and enjoy the life you had now, like you said at the start, which I thought was really cool. was I was as happy as one could be in that phase of their life, right? Mm. Apart from some anxiety and some some pain, you know. So if that's where you're in, go and live that part of your life. Go and enjoy it. Don't try and force yourself into this work. But Mm. know that there may be a time if you come under some struggle or challenge that this work might be something that helps. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that's so worth recognizing. And that's just made me think I'm um at the moment enrolling for my next Wake in the Wild feminine circle. And I always find it fascinating how I intentionally use when I'm when I'm talking about it, I intentionally use language that isn't like this is what we're going to do, this is what you're going to get out of it. I intentionally use language that's evocative, but also definitely contains some like darkness, some um, like mystery and i notice when the women contact me to say oh i'd like to know more because there is a very like i know because you know what drew me into this kind of work there's a resonance like you sort of think oh my goodness there's the bejesus out of me Mm. and yet i think it might be for me and when i'm talking to them it's really interesting how and it goes back to our conversation that we had on my show last week there is this kind of like oh you know, is the possibility or the fear going to show up most for them here? Mm. And it's not wrong. You know, for some of them, if if it is the fear, if right now they're saying, do you know what? I just don't feel ready. That's what I'll often hear. It'll be like, it just doesn't feel like the right time. And they'll often really, they'll own their fear as well. They'll say, you know, oh, I feel quite unsure about this. I feel quite scared about this. And they'll, you know, some of them, obviously not all of them, some will say it just doesn't feel like the right time for me. And um, I really honor that because there is a point where, The fear will still be present, but you'll feel the possibility is what's drawing you on more powerfully than the fear stopping you. Hmm. And no one can, like, say when that time is apart from yourself.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I'm going to shift gears a little bit uh, again. How did you take all of this learning and make a business out of it? So. Hmm just the practicalities. I don't know, as someone that came from corporate, uh, as a woman, as someone that wants to you know look more at the spiritual stuff, how have you turned that into a business?
1: Well, one thing I would say that is probably the most practical advice I could give anyone, not, like just for a bit of advice, this is like one piece of advice I'd happily give. If you can, find someone to work with. Don't do this on your own. Team up, partner up, however you can. I'm really lucky that I met my now business partner a couple of months into me leaving my last job and going it alone. And so he and I have been working together now, whatever it is, six years or so. And I honestly think that's definitely the kind of like one thing I can say has like made this possible. I was about to say, I don't even know I'd still be doing this if I'd been on my own. I'm not, I'm not one of those people that's particularly like driven. Um, I'm not really one of those people that will kind of make these like big bold commitments and keep mm. going, you know, like I, I can be very, very changeable, you know, from like year to year, it will be kind of like, oh my goodness, I found Taoism. I'm all in on this now. And then I really, it's really useful for me to have someone that can kind of like be the, like the steady person and the holding. Okay. Okay. That's cool. But how do we build this in? How do we do this in a way that's not just going to like throw everything up in the air and start again? Cause that's what right. I would do. <laughs> this doesn't work. This is nonsense. Let's start all over again. So for me, That honestly has been the thing that's like really probably made it possible, if I'm honest. And I think I don't think that's just me. I think I've got particularly tendencies that make it like really obvious that it's helpful for me to have a business partner. But honestly, I think most most of us do. I think humans generally do better when we're cooperating and working with others.
0: Yeah. I mean, this, any kind of business, especially if you're transitioning from corporate, it can be a real challenge to be, mm. uh, on your own in front of a laptop, working from home. It's such a big shift. You know, we, we had, uh, Michael and Tristan on last week who are co-founders and we talked about this as well and just how they've learned to bounce off each other in the Enneagram work. Tristan's a seven, Michael's a three. And so it's the same thing. You know, Tristan has that kind of wild visionary energy. And then Michael has the more practical. How do we implement this? What is the one thing we're going to focus on? What we are we going to finish the seat? I don't know,
1: yeah. actually. I'm a seven. And I think Jonathan might be a three. That's it makes funny. sense. It's yeah. very,
0: very common and co founders mm. that seven and three, you know, and, and we're attracted to each other. Mm. Um, and, yeah, so it's a great lesson. It's, I'm glad you brought that up because, yeah, find find that person. And also being self-aware of who you are mm. and what complements you. Because if you put two sevens together, I mean, it's a disaster, right? Like just thousands yeah. of ideas and nothing ever gets done. So. Yeah, that's that's really great advice. Thank you for sharing that. So, a couple of things: who are you looking for for the next circle? Uh, the type of person that would most benefit from it, what they would get out of it, and then a little bit about your podcast and who might benefit from that.
1: Hmm. Sure. So, in terms of my next circle, it's—I mean, it's almost—it's almost, it's almost uh, full. So there's only two places. But I—I posted something this morning that made me realize, like, so much of the time when I'm talking about The circles. I'm not really, I'm not really in the business of kind of going out there, like really promoting it. Oh my goodness. I want to sell out and, you know, have this massive, um, interest list for the next one. Like I do clearly, but that's actually not the, the deeper reason that I talk about it. It's actually because I, I think this, what we've been talking about here, this whole show around the, that kind of path of the soul. It's hardly spoken about. In fact, it's it's the opposite. That we're going back to that kind of obedience training that we're given as children. We're told everything but find out who you are, that kind of unique gift that you are, and go be that. Like we're given every message that leads us away from that. And so, honestly, it, it isn't really so much about who I want to join my circle it's just like wanting to say to people, you know, like this is here for everyone. There isn't like, there's not one way of doing it. Like, I honestly don't care whether someone comes to join my circle to discover that part of themselves, that that it comes in so many forms. It comes in plant medicine. It comes on going on vision quests. It, you know, there's just so many ways, endless ways. And you'll know, you'll feel that. It's not for me to kind of like say, well, this is the way for you because you know, for example, the women that signed up already, they're like all sorts of different women. There's no like one, you couldn't really, apart from their women, there's no like demographic or like avatar, particularly mm. they're just women who heard the call. They're just women that knew this is what my soul is calling me to. Could have been something else. And, um... So I just want to say that, you know, like it's, if you're hearing something, what I'm saying, this it could be that this circle's for you. It could be that you're just actually feeling the call cool of, you know, you know, your wild soul saying, I want to be out in the world more. Great. What's it calling you to?
0: Beautiful. Thank you. And the podcast?
1: So the podcast, um, we've been going, I think it's five years. I'm dreadful with numbers and dates <laughs> and, um, and And we joked about, that. I don't know if I'm allowed to out you, but, um, we're up to something like episode two hundred and fifty odd, but when we went from names to numbers, I again because I'm so bad with numbers, I miscalculated, added on about four, and then never rectified it. So we're always like a few above where we actually are.
0: <laughs> I love
1: it right there. Um, yeah, and it's. I mean, honestly, if you listen to like, and I don't suggest you do this because I'll be really embarrassed, but if you went back and listened to the early episodes and then like listen to kind of like a select, a sample of episodes each year, oh, you'd really see this journey that I've talked about through all these different kind of twists and turns. Um, so where we are now in terms of like the, I guess, purpose of the podcast, it really is just to have really like deep, in-depth, Because, you know, like, again, I'm not going to lose that kind of analytical part of me. Like, I love geeking out. I love to know all the angles. And so it's just talking to people who are just, you know, really deep experts, really passionate about what they do. And are talking about things that are actually going to be, like, useful, interesting, inspiring to other people, finding out more about who they are and out there living that life, like being more of who Mm. they are in the world.
0: And the name of the podcast
1: The primal happiness show, but we might be about to rebrand soon. Yes, I can't tell you because my business partner will kill me, but uh, it may have changed shortly. It's not changing hugely, and you will still be able to find it if you go looking for it.
0: And what's the best way to find you?
1: Um, primalhappiness.co is our uh, website, and uh, great website, have links to everything else. So, we've obviously got the weekly podcast, I do a monthly Facebook live, which is actually similar to what you're doing here. It's like a a live recording of a monthly episode that i do on my own a solo episode that uh, cool. you know, I only started doing last year like you i had a bit of thinking about that
0: yeah um, it's yeah. a tough one mm. yeah cool thank you Leanne. thanks for coming on this has been really fun to, to dive into this stuff mm, and, uh, yeah it's been a real exploration actually thank you Cool, so primalhappiness.co. Go and check Leanne out. And uh, thank you guys always for joining us. Love having you here. Uh, leave comments, share this around if you found something interesting or something you want to share with your family and friends. And I will be back next week with episode number 99 of The Nathan Seawood Show. That's was the Nathan Seward Show, inspiring you to live an extraordinary life.